Well, ladies, this is so nice. I get my own time with you. Well, the guys are talking about being fathers. We're going to talk about the role of a mother, biblically, from God's viewpoint. And so, of course, there's like there's so much to say. So I have just like 45 minutes. So I I there's a lot to say, but we'll see what we get through for today. But um, raise your hand if you're a mom. Who here is a mom? Okay. Does anybody can tell me what what comes the first thing in your head? The role of a mother. The role of a mother, just in like two words. Okay. This one. <laughs> this one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> to teach. Okay, the role of a mother to teach. Anybody else? Anything to add? To care for, to teach, to care for, to protect. Hmm? To raise the children. They can't raise themselves. To love them. That's a big role of a mother. So, um, so if, when you are a mom of babies, I see some moms of babies, it's joyful and hard both. Yes or no? Yes. It's, it's happy and it's hard, right? With babies. If you have a toddler or preschooler, is it now only happy or also hard? Also hard. <laughs> if you have primary school children, finally, is it only easy? Also hard. <laughs> it's hard. And secondary teenagers, now, it's easy or still hard? Hard. I don't have babies anymore, toddlers, but I have primary school, secondary school, university, and adult children, and it's still happy and hard together. So it will always be. So um, it's not, you're not being a mom when they're little so that you don't have to do when they're older. It is until Jesus comes back or takes you home. Once you're a mother, you are a mother. And it's happy and it's hard, we know. Both of those together always. But I thought, I'm going to write down as many as I could think of uh, how many jobs a mother does. Because sometimes people will ask on those forms, you know, they'll say, what's your job? And I always put mom. And sometimes people laugh. And I'm like, that's a really hard job. <laughs> but, um, but a job of a mom. So here are some things that I wrote that we are or that we do as moms. We are a baker, a chef, cleaning service, dishwasher, seamstress, accountant, a nurse, a counselor, a referee, a coach, a teacher, a songwriter, a meal planner, a birthday party organizer, interior decorator, personal stylist. An entertainer, a handyman, a psychic, a therapist, an investigator, a judge, a translator, 
a dental hygienist, a travel agent, a crisis negotiator, personal trainer, an encyclopedia, a lifeguard, a barber, a photographer, a firefighter, a gardener, an exterminator, an artist, a fashion designer, a wardrobe consultant, your Santa, you're the tooth fairy. We always say that they're fake, however, we always say it's mommy. But those were just a few. So as a mom, if people ask you what is your job, there is, I don't know how many, 30 things there that you do as a mom. But as a mom, we I guess we can say, is being a mom just a job? And we know the theme for today, we're to talk about the role of motherhood. It's not just a job. It's actually, it's God-created and God-designed, and it's a God-given role. So we want to talk about, well, what does that really mean? It's not just something that we do, but it's something, a responsibility that we've been given. Um, it's just not these external tasks that we're doing, brushing their teeth, hugging them, tucking them into bed, but it's an internal reality of who we are for a very specific purpose. Okay, so the role of a mom, if you are a mom, it is a way of life for you, a way that you should be living for a very specific purpose. Not just doing mom stuff, but it is a 24-7 who you are, and there's a way God designed it that is for your good, for your ultimate joy, and for his glory. So we know we teach our children, and we've done it lots here, we teach our children, uh, who made you? And what do our kids say? God. And they, we know what else did God make? All things. Why? For his glory. And that's for everyone. So at every stage, as a mom, we are living for God's glory. And as a mom, we don't want to just sit and um, get by or try to be comfortable and think, I didn't sin, I'm glorifying God. But in every stage, we want to think, how can I most glorify God in this stage of life as a mom? How can I most glorify God in this circumstance or this situation, not just get by? So maybe I can send you some of my notes after, because there's some nice quotes that it would be nice if you could read um, yourself and have written down. But from Desiring God, if you've heard of John Piper, he has motherhood, he says, it's a surrendered choice of dying to self so that your children can experience Christ. Wow, well done. <laughs> so we, as mothers, are making a surrendered choice to die to self so that our children can experience Christ. So this is hard, even after listening to Josh in there. But we are to be our children's 24-7 image bearer of Jesus. So if there's anything our children grow up to say about us, 
We want them to say, my mom really, really, really loved Jesus, and she really, really wanted me to love Jesus too. Not just at church or when we're around other people, but in the quiet of our home when no one else is around, she loved Jesus. She modeled Jesus. We're to be image bearers of Jesus to our children. So we're going to open our Bibles I um, at to Psalm 1, if you have it. There's so many places to go in the Bible, but we're going to use Psalm 1 today. It's a beautiful passage that clearly explains what it looks like to be an image bearer of Jesus and the way that we want to direct our children to go. So even if you are not a mom sitting here yet, this Psalm 1 should be true of you. You don't instantly become, it's not like you become a mom and you're going to turn into being an image bearer of Jesus. So this is true of all of us. As moms, we need to be this. And this is what we want our children for our children um, in Psalm 1. It talks about how to be a tree of life, that we should be as moms. Um, and to be a godly mom is to be a life-giving tree that we're going to talk about here in Psalm 1. So Psalm 1 starts off by saying, Blessed is the man or woman, person, and blessed can also in some translations maybe says happy. Happy is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And now this 4 through 6, what it looks like if you don't live, verses 1 through 3. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So here in Psalm 1, we're reading a way of life. And we are to show this way of life to our children. They come out of the womb. Josh already was explaining. They come out of the womb going the wrong way. And they will continue on that wrong way unless someone shows them the right way. And as moms, we're around our children all the time. We need to be showing them the right way. So we know that we work hard from the time they wake up or we wake up to the time they go to bed. And all throughout their life, we want them to do well in school. We want them to do well in university so they can get the job that they want, so they can live happily ever after. And none of that is bad, but that's not happily ever after. Our main focus as moms. So we do work hard. We want them to do well. But what do you think would be the main thing we should be getting our children ready for? We work hard to get them ready for grade R. We work hard to get them through matric. We work hard to help them get through university, maybe financially. What, as a mom, can you think of that maybe we should be looking beyond to get our children ready for? Eternity life. Hmm? Eternity life. So, um, judgment day. 
really. So if you want one specific day, um, it's coming. I know we're living in a world and it's kind of like, maybe we think it's a fairy tale because we don't, it doesn't seem like we take it very serious sometimes, but judgment day is coming. We are all, we are appointed once to die and then face judgment. So people will be like, oh, the end is death. It's not the end, it's not death. <coughs> After death comes judgment. There is judgment day. We will all be standing on judgment day. Your children, they will be standing on judgment day. So if you've ever had the wait of trying to like add a doctor with your child and you're waiting for the doctor to tell you, why your child is sick. As a mom, you know your heart beats and you're like, oh, please, please, please. You're waiting for the doctor to say what's wrong with your child. Or if you've ever been at home affairs and you're waiting for paperwork <laughs> and you're waiting for the person to say, um, yes, your child, this is their visa or their passport or no, you know, you're, as a mama, your heart is like, please, 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 please. Okay, I promise on Judgment Day, we are going to stand on Judgment Day before the King. And your child is going to stand on Judgment Day before the King and have to give an account. Please. So the role of a mom, please make sure your children know that they're headed, we're all headed to Judgment Day. They're going to stand on Judgment Day. Don't have your child there and they're like, what, what, what? Mom, you didn't tell me I'm standing before the king. You just told me I was a good boy. I'm doing good in school. What's... So as a mom, please make sure that your children know this life is not all that there is and it's not about them, that we're headed towards a day and you are preparing. If you're going to prepare your child for anything, please prepare them to stand on Judgment Day. And uh, Charles Spurgeon, I don't have the quote, but he tells a story about his mom pleaded with him over and over and over again to love God and to repent of his sins and to make Jesus his Savior so much. He heard her praying one time, Lord, when we stand on Judgment Day, if you damn Charles Spurgeon, my son, then it will be so be it, because he heard the truth. And he chose not to. So as moms, this is a really big responsibility. We cannot save our children, but uh, they, sh they need to know the purpose of life and where they're headed. So Psalm 1 makes it clear that there's a life that leads to life and blessedness. And then there's a way of life, like Josh said, that leads to death and judgment. So there's two children, two ways, two destinies as we look at Psalm 1. Uh, one leading to life, the other without God and his word is a dead-end street leading to death. So as we read this psalm, we're going to talk through the verses of this psalm. Um, I, you can examine your own destiny, and I want you to think about how you can help your children know and examine their destiny. If they're going to go to God's heaven, they have to know God's way. Right. And this is our role as a mother to show them God's way, 24-7. So if we look down at Psalm 1, uh, verse 1 tells us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 
So as a mom, you're going to examine your own life, and you're going to think, how can I teach this also to my children? So as a believer, we don't believe like the wicked. We're not going to walk in the counsel of the wicked. So we want to be moms who are not believing like the wicked around us, like the world. means when we go ask for counsel or advice, we're not seeking counsel and advice from the world. We're seeking counsel and advice from God's word or from godly believers around you. Um, don't go to the world for even your convictions. Go to the Bible. So you don't believe like the wicked. What you're thinking, what you're saying should sound very different than the world. Okay? We don't behave like the wicked. Do you look like the world or do you look like Jesus? How do you speak? How you use your time? I mean, we could talk a long time on each point, but we don't, we don't believe like the wicked. We don't behave like the wicked and we don't belong with the wicked. Should we spend time with unbelievers? What do you think? To do what? What's your main goal if you're with unbelievers? Yes, evangelize. To evangelize or to show them Jesus. Not to sit and gossip and sound like the world. Not to sit and talk about crude joking and laughing, watching bad things. That is not why we spend time with the wicked. So your children should see that. When my mommy's with someone who doesn't know Jesus, she's acting like Jesus and she's looking for opportunity to share the gospel with them. She doesn't believe like the wicked. The advice my mom is giving me comes from the Bible, not the world. She doesn't behave like the wicked. How she talks, the words she says, decisions she makes is from the Bible, not from the world. And she doesn't belong with the wicked. I don't see my mom loving and laughing, enjoying being with, acting like unbelievers. So as a believer, we realize there's a huge difference between ourselves and the world that we were saved out of. And we should live in a way that looks different than the world. And this woman is blessed. This woman is happy. And happy like a character trait, not like a feeling. So happy is the man or blessed is the man, woman. Um, happy as in a character trait because of what we have in Christ. So we have a woman who does not believe like the world, behave like the world, or belong to the world, and then we want to look at verse 2. What is verse 2? I'm going to change his to her since we're talking about moms. But her delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law we meditate day and night. So verse 2, we're looking, we want to delight in the law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? Because you're supposed to be meditating on it. We're supposed to be meditating on it day and night. So what is the law of the Lord? His word. You could say the law of the Lord is his word. So when this psalm was written, do you know what was the law of the, of the Lord? The You know, David, when he read these psalms, his Bible was very small like the first five books of the Bible. 
and take you read Psalms, you're like, wow, he was so much in praise of God. You, we go to the Psalms to get our hearts warmed up to praise. And we have like, we have the whole story of the Bible. So David, his, his law of the Lord was very small. Like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law. So if you've ever read through the Bible, like on a yearly Bible reading plan, and you do Genesis, Exodus, and you get to Leviticus, you're loving it, Numbers, Deuteronomy, like, yes. No, usually we're like, I'm going to go to the New Testament. <laughs> but when this psalm was written, he's saying, let my delight be in the law of the Lord, and I will meditate on it day and night. So we think about the law of the Lord, all those laws, not just the Ten Commandments. So if you've read through Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, not just the Ten Commandments, but hundreds of laws. And I wish we had time, we could talk about even um, how we're even to look at the law, laws that God written. But in Deuteronomy 6.5, after God gives all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws, it's kind of like, whoa, how, you know, that's really overwhelming. How are we going to keep all these laws? So Deuteronomy 6.5 is beautiful. God is like, I, let me sum it up in this. This is how you keep all the law. And Jesus says it again in the New Testament. Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then in verses 6 through 9, he says, These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. So love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And then he says, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gate. And then God repeats over and over for the rest of Deuteronomy. If you read Deuteronomy, God keeps saying, be careful not to forget. Do not forget. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Not to forget. Remember, remember, remember. I want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And please teach it to your children. So we look back at the Old Testament. Did Israel forget? Israel forgot. Did they teach it to their children? Maybe some. Um, but they forgot. So this is a, a huge warning. This is God's chosen people. And uh, we can read the story fast, and we're like, shame on them, right? But as moms in our home, we are to be living as image bearers of Jesus and God, and we're to be delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And in this verse, love means we're loving with all our hearts, not just half our heart. Can't serve two masters, right? It's not like you shouldn't serve two masters. It's not possible to serve two masters. I can't be sitting in this chair now and then sit in my chair in California at the same time. It's not possible. So when the Bible says you can't serve two masters, it means it's not possible. 
So when we talk about loving God with all our heart, it's your whole heart, with all of your heart. You want to love God. Um, with all your soul. That means with your whole being, are you loving God? Includes your heart, but so much more, now your soul. So this means all your passions, all your hungers, all your perceptions, all your thoughts, how we talk, what we do with our hands, how we use our talents, how we respond to challenges, our entire being, we are to love God with all of our heart, not half of it, and all of our soul. And then it says with all of our strength. So we can think, oh, with our power, maybe we're to love God or our wealth. But it's so much more. It means we're to love him with all of our resources, all of the resources he's given you. Not just with your physical muscle, we're to honor God, but we're to honor him with everything he's given, including our spouse, our children, our home, our phones, our tools, our money, our time. So this is a high calling. We're to meditate and delight on the law of the Lord, which is to love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. And people forget. We forget. We need to remind ourselves and we need to be reminding our children on a daily basis. So verse 3 we can go to. If we are doing that, we're living not according to the world, but we're delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. Then what comes in verse 3? We're like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And it goes on to say, let me see. <laughs> and all that he does, he prospers. So I guess you could imagine a tree planted by a river. What does it look like? Very alive, right? And uh, it bears its fruit in season. What fruit? Have you heard that word before in the Bible? Bearing fruit? What's some of the fruit we're supposed to bear? Love. Joy. Self-control. Peace. Patience. I think there's a song. <laughs> but we're to be bearing fruit in its season. As a mama, we are not living according to the world. We're delighting in the law of the Lord. And so we will be like a tree planted by streams of water bearing fruit, bearing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So that fruit we should be bearing and modeling to our children. And its leaf does not wither, and everything it prospers, prospers. So Josh and I have been talking a lot about that with our children at all different ages. How can we help our children thrive or prosper in a biblical sense, in any situation. So not how can I help them prosper in the worldly view, but how can we plop our children down into a comfortable situation and they thrive for the Lord, but how can they also be plopped down in an uncomfortable situation and thrive for the Lord? How can our children be plopped down in an easy time and thrive for the Lord, or how can our children be thrown into a trial of suffering and thrive for the Lord. So no matter the circumstance or no matter the situation, how can we help our children thrive 
prosper for the Lord. Because life's hard. We live in a broken world. They're going to suffer. How can we now help our children prepare to suffer well and to prosper? And it's from these verses. <laughs> Not clinging to what the world believes and how they behave and meditating on the law of the Lord day and night, making it your delight, producing the fruits of the Spirit. And everywhere they flock, they will cry, yes, but we want them to prosper and thrive in honoring God. So now we get to verses 4 through 6. Verses 1 through 3, the way of life, and now the warning. So this is the, the you know, preparing our children to stand on Judgment Day. Verses 4 through 6 is a warning. It says, the wicked are not so. So the wicked, no fruit, no prospering. But they are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked, they will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So four through six, big warning. To us as moms, and a warning that we better give our children. Um, Paul gives this warning as well. And we can think as moms, but I take them to church. They go to Sunday school class, but that's not an hour a week, not the Lord could save them in Sunday school. But um, but just as a warning for moms, maybe your child for an hour a week heard about there is a God. You heard about a David and a Goliath, the stories of the Bible. But Paul gives the same warning in Romans. He says, for all they, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. So why will the wicked perish? Why on judgment day, when we're standing there with our children, grown, maybe not grown, and God says, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Why will our children perish? God's fault? He's not fair? They could say that. Children grow up. That's not fair. We say that, right? That's not fair. God is loving. That's not fair. How can we stand on Judgment Day and he say, no, I never knew you. How can we stand on Judgment Day and God says, depart from me, and that the wicked will perish? That's not fair. <laughs> but if we read through Scripture, and honestly, if we look at our own hearts, and even what Josh talked about here, we come, babies, all of us come out of the womb wanting to be our own king. Um, and really, if God says, depart from me, I never knew you, it's really what they wanted their whole life, right? To not have God tell them what to do. To not have God reign over them. To not be in the presence of God or with his people or in his word or communing with him in prayer. So in the end, God is giving them what they've been asking for their whole life. Separation from him. And how terrible that will be, so please do your children know that. 
They're coming out of the womb headed in that direction. They're choosing lives apart from God, and we need to redirect them to the right, the right path. And if you want a good example of that, it's really, if you read Ezekiel chapter 18, I'll let you do this on your own, verses 21 through 29. It's a great passage. Ezekiel 18, 21 through 29, you can read on your own. But this is God talking to the people of Israel who forgot him. And now they're saying, God, you're not fair. Ezekiel 18, 21 through 29. And he's saying, am I not fair? Isn't it you that's not fair? So make sure that we are warning our children. The unbeliever has preferred, this is from a book called Knowing God. The unbeliever has preferred to be by himself. Without God, defying God, having God against him, and he shall have his preference. Nobody stands under the wrath of God except those who have chosen to do so. The essence of God's action and wrath is to give men what they choose in all its implications, nothing more and nothing less. God is hereby doing no more than to confirm the judgments which those whom he visits have already passed on themselves. So make sure your children know that. There's two ways to life. There's a way to life and blessedness, and there's a way to death, which we're all headed, unless we're redirected. So this feels heavy. <laughs> You're like, shoo, this is hard. Or preparing my child for judgment day, it seems like a little bit of a hard talk, but it's real. It's a reality. And we're going to see each other there. And um, we are going to approach the throne confidently in Christ. And we want the same for our children. We really want the same for our children. We don't know he could come back tomorrow. He could come back tonight. Maybe we'll pray. I'll say amen and we'll be going into the sky. We don't know. Well, so make sure that your children know. So we did say a huge list of things, you know, at the beginning, all those things that you are doing as a mom, baking and cleaning and bathing. But as a mom, just remember, Josh talked about it here, but you're a theologian, which means that you're a teacher. You're teaching your children who is God and how to view the world correctly. You're to be teaching them and educating them in the Lord, not just the hour that they have at church on Sunday. There's 168 hours in a week. So coming to church for two hours is such a tiny part of your child's life. They should be hearing about who God is and about this scripture from you as their mom. They need a hundred plus hours <laughs> hearing it and seeing it from you. And then we're to be instructing our children. So if you ever see the word instruction in the scriptures, instruction is like a, it's two words put together. It means mind and put, and it's where they get biblical counseling from, from the mind and put. It means to put in someone's mind. So we're supposed to be putting in our children's mind who is God and what his word says. And if you're like, I don't really know where to start, you can start with the gospel but and talk about it every day. So here's a good question. This is so convicting, even for me. I'm like, okay, I'm start with the gospel. 
Be sure I'm speaking the gospel every day to my children. So then I think, okay, out loud right now, can I say the gospel? Can I tell the gospel? I can say right now, point at someone and say, tell me the gospel. How do you feel? Are you nervous? You can tell me the gospel. You can stand up, share the gospel. I think some of us were like, okay, I think I think I can. What would be the main thing I'm going to share the gospel every day with my children? What? What part of the gospel? Well, you want to be sure to tell them. You just, they need to know they're sinners. Jesus loves us. So while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We need a Savior. So these are, that's good. So we're going to put all this together. So um, when lots of times we'll tell uh, stories to our children, and they will know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, you know? And we're like, yes, you need a Savior. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And maybe even in Sunday school, the stories that they hear. Um, but make sure that you're starting at the beginning. Make sure you're starting at the beginning of the gospel. So we do read the gospels in the New Testament. We often will go to the New Testament. But make sure this whole book, this whole Bible is one story. It's not two books. It's not the Old Testament and New Testament, two different things going on. This whole book is a story, so make sure that you start at the beginning. So at the beginning, who is on the throne? Josh was talking about himself. I was like, you're saying what I'm saying. Okay, start at the beginning. Make sure that your children really little know God is on the throne. They are not. God is on the throne. They are not. He is the ruler of the universe. He is in charge. Your child is not in charge. Make sure that you start at the beginning because they need to know that they need a Savior. And they only are going to feel that they need a Savior if they know that they're a sinner. And I promise you, if you start at the beginning and are telling them every day, No, God, you're not in charge. This story is not about you. God is in charge. He is on the throne and you need saving. You're headed down a path to death because God is on the throne and you need to choose the way of life. They need to feel their sin. It will come out in how they talk, what they demand, their own way, how they talk to others, grumbling and complaining. All revolves around being the center of the universe and on the throne. And we as moms, right? So we do the same. We can put ourselves on the throne every day. You've got to take yourself off the throne when you wake up. Put God back on the throne. He's in charge. We are not. So make sure that you start at the beginning with the gospel. And another way is you could study Proverbs. You could read Proverbs with your children. So Proverbs is not a book of promises. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. So they sat down like, it, generally in life, this is how life works. If you live this way, then this will be the consequence. If you have a good choice, good consequences. Bad choice, bad consequences. That's the book of Proverbs. We know in a broken world that's not always the case. Sometimes you make good choices and bad things happen. Sometimes we see people make bad choices and it seems like they're getting good consequences. But in general, the book of Proverbs is a way to live 
according to what honors God. And make sure your children know Proverbs. We've gone through it over and over and over and over again, the book of Proverbs. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So if you're not starting with that foundation, giving your children a fear of the Lord, Josh, I took these from Josh's notes. <laughs> he says, if you do not teach your children to fear God, your children are going to learn to ignore him from the world. If you don't teach them to think and to be wise, they are going to learn to be fools from the world. If you don't teach them how to pick their friends, they're going to develop friendships that will do them great damage in this world. If you don't teach them sexual purity, they will definitely learn about sexual relationships from the world. If you don't teach them the danger of sin, it will be much easier for temptation to deceive them and destroy them. If you don't teach them how to talk, their words will take them somewhere awful. And if you don't teach them how to love others, you can be sure they are going to love themselves. If you don't teach them how to work, how to manage money, how to have a godly marriage, they're going to learn the opposite from the people all around them. So the job as a mom, it's a high responsibility. And it's for his glory. But it's because we're all headed to one goal. And it's to that uh, judgment day with our children. And we want to do all we can so they know who God is, who they are, that they're sinners. They should be hearing it from you, but they should be seeing it in your life. So we're to be a theologian and we're to be philosophers. We could add that to our list. It's a big word, a philosopher. Uh, you're just teaching them what to believe about the world. So we're to transmit kind of a big word, a transmit a God-centered. They look at mommy. Mommy's transmitting a God-centered, Christ-treasuring view of life to your children. So they see a mommy whose God is at the center, and she treasures Christ. So that word transmit, it's like the, wherever the electricity comes from, <laughs> the electrical plant somewhere here in South Africa, when it's working well, it's transmitting electricity through these wires and into the building, and then we have electricity. When it's not transmitting electricity, we have no electricity. It's off. So as a mama, you're thinking, I want to transmit to my children a God-centered way of life, a Christ-treasuring kind of life. You may not go on to stage six, eight to ten hours a day, no transmission. We need to stay, I know some days, maybe we go on stage one. <laughs> but it's a 24-7, as moms, you are transmitting to your children a view of God and a view of the world. We want it to be a God-centered, Christ-treasuring view of life. And we already talked about where to be uh, image bearers. So, um, just a little pause, practical. If we are to be image bearers, of Jesus to our children, we're to look like Jesus and not like the world. So just some practical tips, just on a daily basis, you can think about your home with your children, and just a couple things to think about that we take really serious in our home is turn off the TV. You do not have to have the TV on all the time. We do not have our TV on unless they have asked, and I know what show they're going to watch. 
If you have children in the home, they should watch shows that are children's shows that honor God. If you have other adults living with you that have the TV on, maybe ask them, move the TV to their room. The TV's on in the flat. It is very dangerous. What your child is hearing and seeing all the time, it is framing in their minds who they are becoming. So turn the TVs off. What we watch kids' shows, or if my kids want to watch a movie, they ask us. There's no reason to ever watch any kind of R-rated movie. That's nonsense. You can tell me, try to give me a good excuse. I would love to hear it. There's no way. Soap operas, I know it's a big thing to watch these soap operas, but you're watching stuff that has caused suffering all over this world. Those soap operas, you're watching things that Jesus came and died on the cross for, and if you went through it personally, it would destroy you. So I'm kind of a big deal for me. So the TV is shaping your children. It's teaching them how to talk. I've hear, heard children say terrible things, and their parents are like, I don't know where they heard it. I can tell you where they heard it. Either from friends, maybe, but probably TV. So please, it's not that big of a deal. You can put on a kid's show if you're like, I don't know what to do with my children. Put on a kid's show. We watch sports sometimes, but even then, on the commercials, my kids know as soon as the commercial on, we like mute, and their heads go down, or they leave, because the commercials are terrible. Even the commercials are terrible. So please, it's not, this isn't a hard thing. Sometimes you're like, I don't know how to teach the Bible. I need someone to help me. Okay, turning off the TV is not hard. Turn off the TV. And be careful what your kids are watching. Another just practical tip, and you don't have to agree with me, <laughs> but your child does not need a smartphone. They don't need a smartphone. You can also tell me why you think your child needs a smartphone. Maybe a flip phone if they need to call you or something after school. But even then, I grew up my whole life waiting for my dad to pick me up from school. But your child doesn't need a smartphone. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good question. So I promise you, if your child has a smartphone, that they're looking at things they shouldn't look at. I promise you that you are. I know that you don't think so, but I promise that they are. Your children. Their kids at school are showing them what to look at. If they're bringing their phone in their room and you're like, hey, can I use your phone? And they're like, no, no. Like, ding, 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 ding. Okay. So your child, I would go to them. We did it to our kids. Honestly, um, our adult children have their phones. And they're responsible to the Lord, and they love the Lord. And I can borrow, I often will be like, can I borrow your phone? But our other kids do not have phones at all. And we had to go and say, um, please forgive us. This is, I didn't have phones growing up. This is like, there is wickedness in the push of one button on the phone. As soon as they see on that smartphone, they cannot unsee it. And then they're curious, and then, that's just a mama telling you, I promise, it doesn't seem like a big deal, TV and smartphone, but it really can cause a lot of suffering. Please don't. Please don't. Or sit down and have a talk. If they can tell you a good reason, they can, I'm like, you can use my phone. They're like, I need to look at stuff for school. Use my phone. They can use my phone. They can use my computer. So um, if that's the problem, then, well, then you have other things to talk about with your children in terms of discipleship and loving God with all your heart 
with all your soul, with all our strength, with all of our resources, everything. So um, that I just am telling you from the heart of a mom to try to even uh, proactively prevent suffering in the future. Your children, what they're watching, what they're seeing, what they're spending their time on is a really, really big deal. And the world is giving our children through technology. So be careful. Um, and so still, uh, yeah, I don't want this to be a, a discouraging talk. And maybe it will be convicting. I hope so, because it was convicting to me when I look at Psalm 1 and see how I'm to be living and how I need to call my children to live and the consequences that come from not. Um, and you're like, oh, I, I just can't. I'm so busy. I don't have, but just try, do something. Um, your children are watching you. Even if it's five minutes of, de- of devotions with them, don't do nothing. Um, Josh has often shared the example, you know, you have a, a garden, a beautiful garden. And you think, how can we destroy that garden? How could you destroy this beautiful garden? We could be like, you know, the pickaxe and a machete and destroy the whole garden. But another way to destroy a beautiful garden is to not do anything. It's to just sit. And a year later, from not doing anything to a garden, it's going to look terrible. So I know it's hard work to be a mom. It's not going to stop. I'm sorry to tell you if you're waiting for the stage where it's not hard. Right, Linda? Is it still hard? <laughs> it's tell heaven, but I promise it's like, blessed is the man, blessed happy is the man. It's so much joy. This life is so short. When you stand on Judgment Day, you're going to be like, oh, that life was so short. I was acting so tired. Now there's eternity. I promise. It's worth the work. You're going to be tired, but please don't do nothing. Try to do something. You have the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, to give you strength. You have a church body to help you. You have God's Word. But don't, if you still are like, I need help, please, like Josh just said, please just ask. Um, how, what can I do better? How can I? Our kids are all at different stages. So even if you have only adult children, how can I now as a mom, you're still a mom, how can I as a mom, be this tree of life or this life-giving tree to my adult children. Um, but it's a it's a high calling. It's not just a job. Um, it's really fun to do all these things. To ba- well, most of the time, to bake and cook and plan a birthday party. Um, but the 24/7 example that we're to be to our children of who Jesus is, the image bearers, um, living in accordance with the Bible and not to the world. A mom that's delighting in being in the Word. Sometimes we're like, it's so hard. It's like, did you, did you spend time in God's Word? Not really. Well, then it's not surprising that it's hard. This is like, this is so cool. The Bible's so cool. So this isn't like, this isn't just like words on a page, like a, like another book that you pick up. Literally, it is, this is like literal power from God when you start reading his word. It's just the most amazing thing. You can think, I'm going through such a hard time. You know, you come to church, you start hearing God's word explained, and you know you leave church and you're like, wow, that was so good. I'm so encouraged. Because God's word has power to give you strength and joy and delight. Psalm 119, if you read that, it's just talking about if you're in God's word, if you're talking about God's word, you're thinking about God's word, 
then you know what happens? Delight. Then you're delighting in God's Word. So to not read God's Word and being like, it's just so hard. Life is so sad. You're like, well, you're spending time. This is your joy-giving tool right here, your delight. Spend time in it, I promise. God's Word, it's not just words that will give you that joy and that strength. Let your children see you do that. It's a good practice. Even when our kids were little, we told them in the morning, I would set the timer for 20 minutes. They all had to find a place in the house. They could go anywhere. They could go under the table. They could go in under their bed. They could go in the closet anywhere. I didn't for 20 minutes, and they had to. They could either look at a Bible book, or they could read the Bible, or they could sing a song, or draw a picture of a Bible story. Anything about God and the Bible for 20 minutes until it would go beep 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 beep, and then they would come, and I would say, "What did you?" So even when they were little teaching them to start the morning with the Lord. Um, But those are all my words. (laughs) I hope it's not discouraging. I hope it's encouraging. And just a new view of uh, stuff you've heard before, but I got, I guess, a reminder because we forget. To remember, remember, remember that this life is not all there is. Today is not for today. We're all headed to that judgment day where we stand before the Lord, before our Savior. And we want our children to do the same. And they're not naturally going to go that way. They're naturally going the opposite way. I'm going to turn them around. And as moms, um, we're the ones with them the most, you know. I was thinking God could have any plan. It'd be so cool. Like He could have been like, I have chosen people, and I'm going to save them by just randomly zapping them with lightning. You know, it could be like, Heather, when were you saved? I was just walking down the street when I was 10, and boom, I was saved. You know, God could have done that. We could all have a story of the day that we were walking or lying in bed when we struck, but he didn't. He chose this beautiful story, and part of his plan is that we are to share this good news, this plan of salvation, with others. It's supposed to come. And as moms, he's like, here. Here are your little unbelievers that you are going to evangelize until they bow the knee. <laughs> so that is how God chose to spread his good news. Not through zappiness, but through where to be the tool. So let's pray for one another and encourage one another as we see each other at church. Help one another. <laughs> Ask. What are you reading in the Bible with your children? Ask about the TV. You go in someone's flat, turn this off. Why does your kid have a smartphone? Say it. I'll walk up and be like, what are you looking at? They're like, <laughs> hiding their phone. Okay. I think they may, they maybe are done with it, huh? Okay. Oh. <laughs> are they still going in there? Okay. I guess, are there any questions? I'm scared of that, but. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm. Oh, that's She's asking as a single mom. But I think humanly we're all we're all wanting to hear that better. 
and you are learning the scriptures, you're in a good church, you know God's word, so you take what you know, and you want to pray that you can live by that. I don't know you need that. Yeah. Yeah. And just keep putting off and putting on. There's no like you're not going to get to a day that you're like, finally sanctified. I mean, you are, but it's going to be when you stand before God. <laughs> so um, sometimes we can get discouraged because we're like, I'm still sinning. I'm still struggling. Uh, but that will detail heaven. Hopefully, you know, over time we look back and we see growth and we're changing. But the glorification and that final sanctification won't be till heaven. And we need to persevere. Yeah. But I think all the more you know you didn't that you didn't see it growing up and seeing you know, it's kinda of cool to see how God even sanctifies three generations. Because Amelia is in such a, a better place than maybe you were. As she's hearing truth as a young and seeing it. And then you think Ramalia is learning it little. So I think be so thankful that she's hearing it little. She gets to be like, I grew up, my mom was a Christian. You know? Yeah. It's fun to think even, uh, I, ho- I hope I don't get it wrong, but, you know, David, all those psalms that he's writing, praising, who is David's dad? Anybody know? Jesse, who is Jesse's dad? Mama! Huh? Huh? I think it was Obed. Who was Obed's mom? Ruth. So that is when you think of Ruth in the Bible, you're like, wow, she loved God. If you ever read Ruth in the Bible, you're like, she was willing to have a life of suffering because she loved God and loved others. And you know what? I think she taught that to Obed. She taught that to Jesse. And then you have David who's writing these psalms of knowing who God is and praising God. So the power. Yeah, right. Right. She loves the Israelites. Yes. Yeah. So the power of a mom's testimony, your words that you're speaking, can affect it. will affect generations and generations. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, the, yeah, the, the children, I mean, we can say to our children, be kind, you know? But they need to see mommy being kind when it's hard. So I can, I'm sure we can see our children pick up our mannerisms and our ways. And So you know what I do when I'm angry? I cry. I don't know why, I don't yell. My mom never yelled, I cry. You know what my girls do when they get angry? They cry. <laughs> so it's like, just even see that is the same. They learned it from me. I'm like, ooh, ah. <laughs> so they, well, they're learning. Oh, they learn, they're learning from us. And realizing I was talking to him. And that's become very disheartening, mm-hmm. but it's also such a grace that God has given you a history of how you respond to him. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can 
Maybe every morning you can read Psalm 1. I did this after studying and just write down, you know, on the verse 1, I don't want to believe like the world or behave like the world or belong to the world. And then talk about what does it mean to delight in the law of the Lord. Maybe write that verse, I need to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Write down what is the fruit of the Spirit. And just go through that Psalm 1 every morning this week, reminding, and this is uh, the tree of life that I want to be in the home and the, the, what I want my children to grow up to have. But, um, yeah, that would be helpful. And even the ending, remind, remembering that Judgment Day is coming.